Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wait. I, no, I can't do my own theme song? What? Okay. Sorry. Welcome to Food Culture. We'll talk about the what's, the who's, and the why's that surround the food industry. I'm your host, Daniela Cintron, and no, I am not a chef, and I don't cook, so I'm your regular lady just curious as heck about what goes on in the kitchen and what happens when food brings people together. This is food culture. So were you born in Ecuador or were you born in the U.S.? I was born in the U.S. and oftentimes my parents would send us back, me and my sisters, or we would spend summers there. Um, and really that's how I ended up learning, I think, the amount of Spanish that I know now because uh, my, my mother's sister, my aunt, she is a uh, librarian, so she would have us reading from like a very early age. So my, my Spanish is actually pretty decent. <laughs> that is awesome. I totally respect that. There are a lot of people who either don't want to learn it or they don't have the opportunity to. And it's such a privilege to be able to speak more than one language anywhere in the world. I mean, most places in the world speak more than one language. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. I, I really respect that. So good for you. Again, thank you so much for the time. I know you're in New York right now, right? Is that where you're from? Um, yes. So I grew up in New York and uh, it's, it's been interesting, let's just say so far. I haven't been back since, uh, since I guess, Christmas. And yeah, it, it, there's a lot of st other stuff going on um, besides COVID. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I understand. That's kind of like the theme of this year, to be honest. But um, where in New York? Where did you grow Queens. up? Queens. Oh, very nice. I used to live in New York, and Queens was the place we would go to for good. I mean, the real kind of good food, not like, a, oh, nice restaurant just down the street, you want to be. No, no, no. This is like the good stuff. It was food and salsa dancing that we would go to Queens for. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, the food is champ. I, I agree. So thank you so much for your time. I learned about you. I learned about Plantita Power through social media. I, ha I have found myself, you know, just scrolling through hashtags to find people who are making things happen, who are doing what they can using the resources, the resources, their everything they have to make a difference and to help those who are making a difference. Now I started digging more into Plantita Power and my understanding based on social media is that you guys work with those who are out there speaking their voice, saying what they need to say, standing up for all the systematic racism that we have experienced for many years and right now it's the time to make a difference. And you guys are out there feeding the <laughs> people that are doing this. Is, am I correct? Am I saying it right? Yeah, so I like to call that feeding la lucha, right? I think it's so important, everything um, that is being done, and we all have our place. Um, not everyone has the energy or capability to be out in the front lines, um, and I think we, we all have the opportunity to play our part, and our part is through food and making sure that all people are out there. Well, one part, right, is that they're receiving nutritious food. That's definitely a big part of our organization. It's amazing to me, you know, not once when all this uh, protests start happening more often now, 
Um, I never once thought about, well, these people have been there for hours. Who's feeding them? Where are they eating? Or, you know, how are they? Because that takes a lot of energy. I've heard from people who've been out there in protests. It's draining very, um, it's very draining emotionally and also physically. So you have to enrich your body in order to be out there fighting your fight. So how did you guys even come about this? Or actually, I guess the right question to ask first is, how did Plantita Power start off? So Plantita Power started off by a lot of the people being mad. We were upset that we would go into garden spaces in particular. So Plantita Power has two parts. We have our gardening educational program and we have the section that goes out and feeds people, right? And a lot of us, we were just upset that in these groups, we were either constantly misgendered. Most of us are non-binary or trans. And also we work a lot with folks that have different language backgrounds, whether they're deaf and they use American Sign Language or they speak only in Spanish or whatnot. But the point was that it wasn't accessible um, through language, nor it felt safe to be, right? So we decided to put on Plantita Power and one of our first events was actually a soft launch here in New York. We have folks that are hearing in Queens in particular, and a few folks over in LA as well. But we're just trying to build this um, collective power together. And the first event was actually something to fundraise for ice bailouts. And we saw that as really an opportunity to use food to fundraise and to make sure that folks are fed. How did you start fundraising? What was the first step you guys took? So the first step that we took, as most of us um, that are on the team, have a background with community-supported agriculture. So we already had the mindset is, if we have someone that can support us first, we can build it and make it happen, right? So of course, we rely a lot on donations and different grants. And the first event what we did was um, away herbs. So as long as you donated over, you know, a dollar or you were going to be able to take a bunch of herbs home for free and with the understanding that this is also the education behind the herbs. You're not only cooking them, but you can make teas, you can make different bombs, or you could just use them and have them next to your bed as something that will relieve anxiety and stress. That is beautiful that you guys are teaching people and educating people on that. I am... I'm going to say I'm guilty of not being one of those who are very educated on how much earth gives us to feed our bodies and our, even our soul as well at the same time, help with our mental health and all of that. It wasn't until I, I got sick from COVID back in March and I was one of the first cases where I live and doctors didn't have really an idea of what to give me, what medications uh, or anything like that. So I, my first resource was a local farm. I met a few local agricultures and I knew I had heard of them using this natural stuff to help your immune system and all that. So I was like, I know I've heard, I've seen about this somewhere, something about elderberry and something about ginger. And so I immediately texted her and I said, remember that stuff you were selling for immune system? I need some of this. And she was my first resource to give me an elderberry, uh, elderberry syrup and some, uh, some other stuff, eucalyptus and all of this. And next thing I know, I have all this natural stuff using mustard seeds and so forth to help and nurture my body. 
the difference that you feel is incredible. And I just feel like it's a whole world that we don't always get exposed to. And it's amazing that you guys are really preaching on it. I love that. Absolutely. And, and you make a, an extremely valid point. We don't learn about this in school. We don't learn about where food comes from. And a lot of these schools don't have the opportunity to have these gardens, right? There's all already this disadvantage. And then when you go home, in particular, um, Black, Indigenous, and Latinx and, um, households of color, you're already talking about um, food insecurity that goes beyond, you know, understanding what it is to have vegetables every day that don't come from a can or a frozen bag, right? You know, just the money doesn't allow it. Um, there are ways, but you know, for someone who's already working two or three jobs and figuring things out, I'm not, as a parent, I'm not going to start looking around at where is my local farm or what is the best deal because at that point I am just tired. And it's not necessarily, you know, a neglect to their children, but you know, it's just a system that puts us into a position in multiple ways that at the end of the day, you know, lo que hay is lo que hay, you know, we eat what we eat. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. And yeah, I, I very much identify with that. Now in our countries, uh, growing up in Mexico, you go to El Mercado, which is down the street. It's cheap. You buy all your fresh vegetables, all your herbs. Most likely, if you get a cold, your grandmother is going to put a few herbs in there and whatever it is that she's making, and you drink that, and you're like brand new the next day. But my generation, I feel like it didn't get to do that. When we moved to the United States, like you said, my vegetables might be coming out of a can, and that's all because if we were to go to a farmer's market, it's probably more expensive or not as easy to get to. So whatever is easier. And when times like right now, COVID, a lot of the food pantries that are giving food is all canned vegetables if you even get lucky to get any greens in there. So it's important to that organizations like you, like Plantita Power, are giving the resources, but to be able to have all those health elements that come straight from the earth. I think that's, that's fantastic. And you're educating them on how they can do it on their own at home and pass it on to generations. Definitely. And a big part of that, so Plantita Power turns one in August actually. So we're very excited just to see um, the growth that is ha it has had so far. And we're being very intentional with the organizations we collaborate with. And again, as, as a group thinking about what, what's next, right? And we're going to be launching in the fall um, a Plantita seedling program where queer, trans, Black, Indigenous people of color can sign up to receive three to five different seedlings. And this could be greens, this could be herbs. Actually, this whole week we've been preparing that um, and putting in, so hopefully about, about 300 seedlings is our goal. That's amazing. I think that's very, very beautiful. And it's really going to help out the community during these times. I love it because mm -hmm. what I learned about you and what really caught my eye was that another part of what Plantita Power does is like we said, you guys are feeding those people during the protests and when they're standing up for what they believe in. and I saw that you guys were selling pupusas. <laughs> yes, we fund uh, the Metropolitan Police Department with pupusas. I love that. It made my day. I showed it to the friends that I was sitting with. I was like, they're legit, like, have pupusas in the middle of the protest. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> 
that's definitely a big component of the work that we do. Um, it started off as a sopita solidaria. And if you know the concept of sopita solidaria, it comes, well, not sopita, but san, it comes from Sancocho Solidario, which mm -hmm. is uh, one of the efforts after um, the hurricane over in Puerto Rico. There were queer people that came out con una mesa and, you know, with a table, with their pot, and it was like, bring what you can, but we're going to make this soup and we're going to feed everyone. And I think there's a lot of power to that, bringing food back onto the streets because the streets are ours. The streets are for the people, you know? And by making sure that folks are fed, whether it's with soup or pupusas, we use pupusas because Washington DC is a heavily populated Salvadorian area. So even if you're not Latinx, even if you're not from El Salvador, even if you pronounce it papusa instead of pupusa, which that's another thing, um, you still know what a pupusa is and most likely you enjoy it. I haven't met anyone that doesn't like pupusas. So pupusas is a, another element of the, the street food that we give out. I saw that. I loved it. I was like, they're legit in the streets of Washington, D.C. <laughs> in the middle of the protest for, I think it was for Black Lives Matter, the protest, right? It it, it was part of that, yes. So it, the protest came out of the initiatives of No Justice, No Pride, which is an organization that it supports uh, black and brown sex workers, and specifically trans sex workers. And, you know, we, we all marched all the way to Mayor Bowser's house. So the pupusa table was right next to the mayor's house. And if, if and if you look at the at the uh, different videos, you'll see the pupusa table, and it goes on to this whole dance ball scene that was created out in the street. Wow! It was it was a beautiful day. I mean, yes. If I had seen the pupusa table, I would have also gotten there and danced. I mean, that is it. Just makes you feel like understood that your people are there. It's just it's just one more thing to create. Uh, togetherness in that specific moment by bringing something like a pupusa and you're absolutely right I've never met someone who didn't like a pupusa especially with the right curtido in there that is oh if that's key by the way I, I made some really good curtido <laughs> it's been years but that reminded me that how much I love the pupusas and if I had seen that I would have just felt like family like I, automatically I would have felt like these are my people. We're in this together. It just brings one more thing to togetherness. And I thought that was amazing. Then I also saw that you guys, to I'm assuming to, to raise funds, also giving pupusa making classes online. Like it went yes. further than that. <laughs> yes. Um, everyone kept asking, how do you make the curtido? How do you make the pupusa? And it's really not difficult. And one of my favorite things to do is um, collective education, right? bringing everyone in and understanding that specifically la pupusa is an indigenous food, right? The, the meat that you see in the pupusa is something that has um, become a product of colonization because there was no pigs there. It was mainly squash, it was mainly flowers. So kind of bringing that educational component of what the history of the food is, and as well as, you know, this is a people's food. Whatever you have at home can become a pupusa. You know, I, I had a, someone text me, they're like, can I put tuna in a pupusa? And I was like, yes, you can. If that is what you have to eat, you can definitely do that. You know, accommodating yeah. to everyone's um, possibilities is important, I think, when, when teaching about food. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. It's just what you have in, at home. Lo que hay, like we said earlier. 
Lo que hay, te lo comes. Uh, right. So that's, a, that's very beautiful. Now, I want to ask you, what was the response of the people when they saw you set up or when they're seeing you doing this, this initiative that you have going on in the community across the country? Because you're saying California and New York and then Washington. I mean, you're all over the place. What's been the reaction of people that come and find you? So the pupusa table works in this way. If you are a cutie BIPOC person, you don't have to pay, right? This is this should be free for anyone who who identifies as queer, trans, uh, black, indigenous person of color, right? And making that important because food usually isn't accessible to our community because of um, employment, housing instability, many things. Right, so for us being able to use donations to ensure that this food is free for our community is is vital. Um, if you are white, you pay, and we have our prices, you know, and that that has been interesting, right? Because we've had white people show up at the table and be like, "Why do I have to pay for food?" I'm like, <laughs> "Because y'all have access to everything else. Um, one, paying for a few pupusas to cover the meal of somebody else should not hurt you." You know, mm -hmm. what is five, ten dollars to you when you have reaped the benefits of the system time and time again? Right. So that has been one of the reactions where we've had to um, manage uh, different types of emotions and, and, and privileges that come to the table. Others have been, you know, this is super cool. You know, how can I support either way? Mm -hmm. And we've seen just a lot of response in terms of wow, okay, this is not a snack bar. Because usually at protests, what you'll have is a lot of these protein bars, a lot of these milkshakes, um, a lot of different um, small types of food that is very easy to transport. So I think also seeing the food table there allows for a moment of pause. Like, okay, let me, let me take care of myself, mm -hmm. right? Because we're, we're out there, again, like you mentioned, a lot of energy is flowing um, emotionally, physically, and we don't stop mm -hmm. until we feel exhausted. You know, we don't recognize when there's a moment to also rest within, you know, all this lucha, all this revolution that's happening in the streets. And by seeing the food table, it's like, oh, this is, this is awesome, you know? Let me also take a moment for myself. So it's nice to see everyone from, you know, being all fast-paced to kind of like calming down, sitting around on the sidewalk or wherever it is that we are, and being like, okay, just, just rest. And I think that's a big part that we keep forgetting about, you know, during this movement is, is the wrapping. I agree with you. And I think that can also help us think more straight when, especially in the heat of the moment, when everything, like we mentioned, all the emotions flowing, all the energy going, it takes, when you take a second, you can even connect with other people that you didn't even know were in the same five with you. You can learn from their mm -hmm. stories. They can learn from yours. And it just creates one more positive thing about being out there and speaking your mind and standing up for what you need and deserve. So that's amazing that you guys are doing that. Now, let me ask you, how big is your team that is working on this? Like, has it grown a lot? How did it start? How many are now? Or how's that working? So the, the inter integral team is about six people. And even though we're a, <laughs> we're a wow. small team, we depend a lot on different volunteers. And that's the big part of Plantita Power. We don't work alone. Mm -hmm. um, any event that we do, we look at the community and see, okay, this is what you're doing. Okay, 
let's see where we can join forces, right? Do you have any additional volunteers? There are volunteers that, like I mentioned, everyone um, plays a different part, whether it's social media, interpreting and language access, or simply, I like to cook, right? You know, or I like to be around food. So by attaching ourselves to um, different organizations and the work they're doing, it also allows us to kind of share these resources, right? So we're not working ever alone. If there's an event that we do alone, it's mainly um, like our social distancing gardening. But even so, we are always inviting different groups to collaborate with because I truly believe that, you know, you don't eat alone, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, have to, you have to eat together. You have to work together and, and come together as one also in this fight and you know what's also awesome about you guys involving other people is that i don't know but once you volunteer for something or you become part of a project even if it's one time it does something to you to your soul it feeds your soul and it makes you feel good about what you did so you're opening these opportunities for people to be part of something big and most likely they're going to do it again people who volunteer once are more likely to do something about something positive in the future so you're allowing them to experience what it's like to to be part of a positive movement and that's that's really cool absolutely even um there was one weekend where we just made um proposals to send out to protesters and i had a volunteer team of 12 people and all 12 people learned how to make pupusas. And they've made, they made so many pupusas that one person was like, I now know how to make pupusas for the rest of my life. And I'm like, I am so happy because that means you know how to feed yourself in a new way. And you know what? They're most likely gonna share that, how to make them with someone else. And when they make them next time, they're gonna remember that experience they had. So now it has a whole new meaning for them. Oh, absolutely. People that want to help, people that want to, I don't know, maybe they don't have the time or the, the, the way to physically help you. How can they put their five cents into what you're doing? Are you taking donations? Are you taking resources? Definitely. So our biggest challenge, especially with the food team, is um, having a generator. So, for example, having to rent a generator at a hardware shop. It, every like each time is about a hundred to one hundred fifty dollars. That's a hundred. I like to um, equate everything to pupusas, right? Because a big package of pupusas, and it's funny, big package of pupusas it, that is about twenty five pounds can give you about three hundred pupusas, right? So you're telling me that I have to take one hundred fifty dollars to pay for a generator, giving this money to someone else because we don't own one right mm -hmm. so that's our biggest thing if anyone has an access to a generator please let us know um i know that coming the fall we are going to be also um fundraising for this generator just because now that it's a uh, hotter months we're going to make uh ice cream oh. instead good just because <laughs> just because people have to continue to be hydrating so we're gonna have um cumber popsicles and stuff like that and, and we're going to move towards that for now mm -hmm. and in the fall come back to cooking outside, you know, because of the heat. And yeah, that's definitely a thing. You can do um, donations via Venmo, via Cash App, via PayPal, all through Plantita Power. And that money just keeps going into making sure that the food is accessible and that we have enough plants to continue producing for these meals. Absolutely, I hope that somebody who's listening um, 
maybe they want to get involved in the form of, you know, maybe they know of somewhere where you guys need to have a presence, but there's a ridiculous need and you guys can guide them in the right direction or they can say, Hey, you know what? I have a few extra bucks. I just want to throw them in there and make more pupusas or paletas or whatever it is. But thank you for spreading the word about what food can do to the soul and to the body. So I appreciate that. This was awesome. I'm very excited to have found out about you guys. It was, I'm not going to lie. It took me a second till I have to really read through. And I was like, what, what is happening with these people do? I am so confused, but I'm so intrigued and I love it already. <laughs> it was all of this impression, like whatever they're doing, I want to know about. So thank you for all the time you're putting into this and all the effort. I know the communities that you guys are touching, you're definitely impacting them in ways that sometimes you might not even see it, you know? So Thank you for that. We really are glad and happy and lucky to have people like you in the world. And thank you for the invitation. This, this is awesome. I, we just want to continue, you know, sharing that knowledge. If anybody um, is interested in seedlings and they're in the DMV area, please look out on the program going to be launched in mid-August and you'll all have your seedlings by September. So I'm excited to just see people grow and continue to eat healthy food. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And if you're ever in Atlanta, let us know and we'll probably go out there and help you. I, I'm not, I mean, I cannot make pupusas, but I can make the curtido. <laughs> there you go. Thank well, you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks for your time. Of course. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.